You're listening to The Over 50 Entrepreneur, the podcast that's dedicated to the business builders who are only getting started when most are winding down. This is the place to discover how to create more freedom from your business while growing the value of your business. Now here's your host, Rick Hadrava. Hey guys, yes, this is the Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast, and I am Rick Hadrava, your host. I'm very excited to have you here today, as always, and excited to have Oklahoma's 10th Secretary of Commerce and Workforce Development with us on the program, Sean Copeland. Not only is he that, but he's the chairman and CEO of Regent Bank. In his volunteer role as Secretary of Commerce and Workforce Development, Copeland oversees 36 of the state agencies who lead economic development, community development, and workforce development efforts for the state of Oklahoma. Under his leadership, the state has actually attracted over 65 new businesses since 2019. Governor Stitt has recently tasked Secretary Copeland with leading our business and economic recovery from the COVID-19 crisis. In 2008, Copeland led an investor group that purchased a 110-year-old Regent Bank out of Nawada, Oklahoma. And since that time, he's taken that bank and expanded it to Tulsa, Oklahoma City, Springfield, Missouri, and now Bartlesville, growing from $72 million in assets to over $700 million, making it one of America's fastest-growing banks. Regent Bank has also won many awards, including Inc. Magazine's Best Place to Work and the ICBA Central United States Community Banker of the Year Award. With all sorts of honor, I want to welcome to the Epic Studios today, Secretary Sean Copeland, CEO Sean Copeland, Mr. Sean Copeland. Sean, thanks thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Rick. I got a lot of business cards, so you can kind of take your pick. That's that's all right. And I look forward to digging into that very topic uh, as we move forward. But listen, you know, uh, people have probably seen your name uh, a lot over the last couple of years, but I always think it's interesting to kind of learn a little bit more about our guests. Would you take a moment and just kind of share with us your story, your journey to this point? Sure. Yeah, I'll, I'll stay uh, very high level, but I grew up on a uh, farm and ranch down in Beggs, Oklahoma, that's just about 25 miles south of Tulsa. Um, I was going to return to the farm. I went to uh, college at Oklahoma State, and uh, when I graduated, I, I thought I was going to be returning to the farm. Uh, things were a little tough on the farm at the time, and so my dad suggested that I ought to get another job. Uh, he really insisted uh, that I get another job. I, uh, through a very uh, kind of fluke encounter at a, at a dinner uh, at OSU, I ended up in the banking uh, business and have been in the banking business ever since uh, I graduated school uh, in 1995. I uh, was promoted very early, have been a bank president or equivalent for about uh, 20 years or so uh, now. And when I was uh, 34 years old, had the opportunity to purchase uh, Regent Bank. Uh, Regent was a very small community bank in Nowata, Oklahoma, another small town uh, northeast of Tulsa. And uh, we put an investor group together, bought the bank in 2008, and you kind of told the rest of the story there in my bio. And then about God, probably 12, 13 years ago, I became really close friends with this guy by the name of Kevin Stitt. And Kevin was in the mortgage business. 
I was in the banking business. We hit it off uh, in a Bible study, actually, and became uh, best of friends. And he decided that he was going to run for governor. Uh, I thought the chances were virtually zero that he would win, uh, but he did win. And uh, when he won, he asked if I would serve as Secretary of Commerce. And because of my kind of unique situation, I couldn't really leave the bank. And so we worked out a, a deal where I would uh, basically be a volunteer Secretary of Commerce and uh, continue to uh, kind of oversee the bank as well. And because I've got great teams in both, uh, it has worked uh, pretty well. So that is, uh, I'm married to Angela. We've been married for 22 years, just had our anniversary on May the 2nd. She is a very understanding uh, individual. She's an executive uh, with WPX Energy here in Tolson. And we've got three kids, um, Emery, Kennedy, and Finley, who are 16, 13, and 10. So that's kind of my life in a nutshell. <laughs> well, well, you did a good job, and congratulations on your anniversary, by the way. So, so let's go back. So real quick, before we dig into kind of your work recently with the Secretary of Commerce position, if, if my math's right, and I hope it is because I'm doing it on the fly today, roughly 25 years in the banking business, and it came from a, was that a networking type event where that opportunity presented itself? or <laughs> let, let me tell you the story real quick because it yes. it's really funny and it was really a life changer for me. So, so what happened is I was in student leadership at OSU and Dr. Jim Halligan was our president and he had invited me to attend a Board of Regents dinner. He, that's just something he would do. He would always invite students to attend the big people uh, functions. And so, so I attend, I'm super nervous. Uh, we're sitting around this table, it's me and him and about, I think there were four Board of Regents members from OSU sitting around the table. Well, now I know they're just people, right? But at the time I was in awe uh, of these guys. And so we're sitting there talking, I'm quiet. And Dr. Halligan says, uh, Sean, you know, I've never asked you, what are you going to do when you graduate from college? And I had no idea because literally two days earlier is when my dad had said, yeah, I don't think this farming deal uh, is going to work uh, out. And so I didn't know what to say. So there was a guy, I didn't really want to say, well, I, I really don't know. I'm a senior. I only have one semester to go and I'm, I'm supposed to be Mr. OSU, but I'm clueless as to my career. So I'm like, man, I got to come up with something. And so to my left, there was a gentleman sitting there by the name of Bruce Benbrook and his name tag said, Bruce Benbrook, chairman, Stock Exchange Bank, Woodward, Oklahoma. So I thought, well, that sounds good. I'm just going to say banking. And so I did. I said, well, I've been thinking about going into banking. Everybody around the table goes, what? We had no idea. And I said, oh, yeah, it's a very recent uh, career decision. <laughs> and uh, it was, Rick. That was a true statement. It was about 15 seconds old. And so uh, they started asking me questions about banking. I bluffed my way through the dinner. Dr. Halligan, as we're walking out, says, you know, I've got a good friend that owns a group of banks in Oklahoma City. Maybe I can help you get an internship. And that is how my banking career began. I went to work for MidFirst Bank in an internship. They hired me back after college. And that's how I got into this uh, industry. That's a fantastic story. And I think it's a good reminder that you don't have to always have it all figured out 
in the moment, but uh, I, I love your I love your uh, spunk there. So that that's, that's really good. So so over the desperation to- is really what it was. Well, desperation. Well, yeah, creativity, whatever we want to call it. You you did a great job in the moment. So. 25 years of banking, I always like to ask a question, what has stuck with you the most uh, about your banking career, Sean? Yeah, there's, Rick, there's so many things that I have learned, uh, but I think, you know, probably the top two uh, are the value of your team. Um, I just truly, truly believe that you're only as good as your whole team. And so early on, we didn't have as strong of a team. You know, I get a lot of credit for our success, but the truth is we weren't really that successful when it was just me. And when I was able to put together a really talented group of people to lead the organization, you know, is really when we took off. Uh, And then the other one is just the importance of taking care of all of your employees. I just think that uh, I know it's easy to say, but we make all of these decisions, you know, throughout the day and the week that can either, you know, maybe it can add to our bottom line or we could do something to help our employees, you know, or we can take time to do something for ourselves or we could take time to sow into our employees' lives. And so we just make all these hundreds of decisions in a given week that are either for our employees or, you know, not necessarily against them, but maybe not not necessarily for them. And so I just think those are the two things I have learned is you've got to uh, value all of your employees top to bottom. And uh, the leadership team is the key. It's not about the CEO, not about the Secretary of Commerce. It's about that team and making sure that they're, you know, empowered and and uh, feel supported in doing their job. I, lo- I love that. That that's really a good observation. And I love your quote. I wrote it down. Not as ex- not as successful when it was just me. That's profound because <laughs> I think it's true for all of us. We we've got to put ourselves around a group of very successful, um, talented people. And it sounds like you you realize that. Well, okay, so let's let's shift gears then. And you know, the Secretary of Commerce and Workforce Development position becomes available. And I'm curious early on, what what did you expect out of that role, Sean? Well, so first and foremost, I wasn't really uh, thinking I would do the role. I was on the transition team for the governor, and I was actually recruiting people for this role. One of my jobs, I was responsible for finding several cabinet positions for him, and so I was actually out recruiting people. And so we got down to the end. I presented these candidates. He interviewed several of them, and then he asked if I would do the job, which was a bit of a surprise uh, to me. And so when I got into the job, it initially was uh, just Secretary of Commerce. So, of course, what I thought was what everybody thinks, that it's going to be all about recruiting business into the state. And I thought we'd be jet-setting you know, all over the place, meeting with CEOs, telling our story. And I thought, man, how fun is that? And shortly after we were we were kind of rethinking how the cabinet was made up the governor has some flexibility within the cabinet and so he decided to combine 
workforce development in with Secretary of Commerce, which was a great idea because it's our biggest uh, issue uh, as a state is making sure we have a good quality uh, workforce. And so, uh, but the problem is that added in a whole uh, contingent of agencies that I was not planning on really overseeing. So all of a sudden now you have, you know, the unemployment group and the Office of Workforce Development. And I mean, there are all the, all the regional workforce boards across the state now report up to me. And so there's this whole uh, workforce segment now that was added into commerce. And then in, in addition to just the commerce recruitment and retention piece, we also ended up with pretty much anything that is business related. So anything that is licensing related or the insurance department or the Department of Labor, all of those ended up in my uh, area. So the job has ended up being uh, very different uh, than what I thought it was going to be. It's super fun. I really, really enjoy it, uh, but it's very diverse. Uh, you know, any given day, you're dealing with all kinds of different uh, issues and approvals that I wasn't really planning on initially. Well, what has been, and that's a that's amazing because I'm thinking about all the different agencies, and I got I got to be honest with you. Part of my brain goes, that's a whole lot of meetings that Sean has to sit in. You know, as you look at all the different agencies, but what's been the biggest challenge for you as you've kind of gotten your hands around all of this? You know, the biggest challenge has been the learning curve for me. I mean, you know, truly, it took me about a year just to kind of figure all of this out. And um, thankfully, I have been shocked by the level of commitment and, frankly, talent within our state employees. I mean, I have a number of agency leaders or even senior level people in some of my larger agencies that I, I mean, they could go make double outside of state government, but they are very, very passionate about state of Oklahoma and they want to make a difference. And so I'm super impressed. What I, what I really did was try to bring kind of a business acumen, business processes. We utilize a management operating system called Traction, for example, within mm-hmm. the bank that I brought to all of the agencies. And so my goal was to kind of create more of an accountability and an issues-driven uh, culture and not just kind of do everything the same day after day after day. Let's really try to move the needle. And and I think our the agencies have really enjoyed that. We're we're very responsive. You know, in, in private business, if you don't respond uh, when people have a need, they go somewhere else uh, to do business. And in government, it wasn't really that way because they don't really have that option. So uh, we, had to, we had to really stress the importance of returning every uh, email and voicemail every day. And that's a big change. The fact that I would respond to them was a big change. The fact that we have quarterly uh, management meetings where all of the, the the agency heads get together and we do training. We talk about issues that had never happened, and so uh, it's it's. I think it's been very very positive. But uh, I don't have to do a whole lot of day to day management uh, of these folks now. I'm just available if they run into issues that they need they need my help with. It's it's uh, really running pretty well right now. So so it's real visionary leadership as we go through. So in the notes here, 
there's 65 plus businesses that have been attracted to Oklahoma um, since 2019. And, and I think that's where, you know, we've obviously got some headwinds in the energy space and, you know, our, our restaurant folks. So I'm, I'm curious, you know, how did you attract these businesses from, from outside Oklahoma and what type of businesses are we bringing to the state? That number is going to go way up this year, uh, by the way, Rick, because what is happening uh, now is people uh, are beginning to see that Oklahoma views business differently than other states around the country. And so we are getting a really, really nice reputation for a state that listens to business and values business. And, you know, we obviously opened up earlier out of COVID. So I really think that number will at least double uh, by the end of uh, 2020, uh, first of all. The, the way that we recruited the businesses that we have now it is we really focus around our main industry segment. And so, you know, our biggest uh, industries are uh, energy, aerospace, ag, uh, biotech or, or uh, ag tech, and then uh, IT and financial services. Those are the, those are the um, kind of clusters that we have. And what we've found is businesses want to go where there are businesses like them. They don't, they get nervous when they're the only business of a certain kind because they don't really have a labor pool to recruit from. Talent won't won't join them because if things don't work out, where else would they go work? So, so that's basically what we did. So we just did a very targeted recruitment, not only to those industries, but to those industries within states that we felt like were more vulnerable. So uh, California, uh, Washington, Illinois, New York, and Colorado became our top five uh, states that we began to uh, recruit heavily into. And so what's happening is like within California, we have 17 companies right now looking at Oklahoma uh, hard to move here from California. And five of them have already announced uh, this year. So I think these efforts are really going to begin to pay off because we just have some advantages uh, over those states. And then, then we're also kind of whale hunting now. And so it's been pretty widely known uh, nationally that Tesla yeah. uh, has been looking at you know, both Oklahoma and Texas for a new uh, gigafactory. So uh, my life, the last probably two months has been uh, 97% Tesla and 3% <laughs> uh, everything else. And so we're working that uh, project uh, as well. So I, you are right. There are a lot of headwinds in Oklahoma. Energy is tough. Aerospace is tough. Ag is tough. I mean, you know, truly in a, in a deal like this, most everything's tough for everybody. But we certainly have with particularly with energy, we've got some real challenges. But I also think we have some real bright spots and real advantages uh, in an environment like this because we're, we're a really great place to do business. So um, that, that's, kind of, that's kind of where we're at on the business development front. The businesses, uh, last thing I would mention, Rick, the businesses that we brought in last year were a lot of them were aerospace related. Um, 
Oklahoma really hit a, it's, it's like we just hit a tipping point in terms of having enough. We have about 120,000 aerospace jobs uh, in the state, around 1,200 companies and some big companies uh, that do business here. And we just reached a level of respect, I think, within the uh, nation where people started taking us seriously. And we, we set up a freestanding aerospace recruitment group. And that's what got about half of those jobs or half of those companies. And then about half of them were just other industries within those states we were targeting. Yeah. Well, you know, so Sean, let me, let me take this a step further because one of the things that I've been wondering about, and, and I don't know if it's even viable, but you know, you go back to this East-West thing, and the truth is not not only, I mean, we have a cost of living, quality of life, you know, positives, I think, for, for Oklahoma. And, or, you know, we've been through, or we're in the middle of COVID, and we're dealing with COVID, but one thing that we're le- learning about this is mobile working and the ability to work from anywhere. And I'm just curious if we've given any thought, you've given any thought, your agencies have given any thought to going out and trying to promote bringing some of these families, you know, to Oklahoma. And and I, I think we did something like that at one point, and I think it might have been Tulsa specific, but but have we, have we thought about that at all? 100%. Um, in fact, uh, I, I, uh, I did a Wall Street Journal uh, interview the day before yesterday, and they, they, of course, called to ask about the Tesla deal. That's how the whole thing started. But I, I shared with them that we have a vision to be the remote worker capital of the world. And the reason, maybe of the United States, maybe the world was a little much, uh, Rick, <laughs> but maybe of the United States. So, and, and, and for all the reasons that you said, and let me tell you kind of what, we, what we're doing along those lines. Of course, you mentioned uh, Tulsa Remote which has been extremely successful. They've had 20,000 applicants for that program where they pay $10,000 per remote worker, plug them into the community. I mean, it is a really cool program. Uh, so they're expanding that. But then we had, we had um, submitted legislation which had great support to do this on a statewide level. Basically, we were gonna take uh, a certain program we have called Quality Jobs uh, incentive program, and we were going to expand it to include remote workers as well. But the problem is we had a very shortened legislative session, uh, and with everything that was going on with COVID, it just didn't, we only passed a third of the bills that we did last year, and it just didn't make it uh, into the cut. But I think that it will next year. So we're, we're uh, absolutely pushing that heavily. And then to take that a step further, we have put together what's called a bounce back task force for Oklahoma. And it's a group of about 20 of the top CEOs within uh, the state, as well as top government officials too, just to basically get buy-in. And one of our top priorities coming out of that uh, group is to focus on remote workers. So you're right on uh, in your observation. Well, good. I, I just think there's an opportunity for us to really promote, you know, the positives and, and attract some of those folks. And, you know, we I, I also went to Oklahoma State and like a lot of them, I went to Dallas, you know, and to another state and made my way back over the years. But I think this is different. I think this is an opportunity to go capture more families um, who are thinking 
about, you know, losing some of the, the shininess of living on the West Coast, for example. And I, I, I so I applaud you and, and support you and continue to do that. Well, listen, uh, we're coming towards the end of the, the show, and I really appreciate you doing this today. But, Sean, I have to think that in your role, the business community and the economic health of, of the state, those are things that are constantly on your mind. And, and so if you were to kind of share some advice or a message with our listeners, you know, the business community on our show, anything come to your mind, any message you'd like to, you'd like to relay? Well, so as far as uh, your Oklahoma listeners go, I would just tell them to hang in there right now. I know it is a challenging time. Uh, for our state. It is for our whole country, but I just believe with all my heart that this is going to be a pivotal moment for our state. I just think for all the reasons we've discussed, we're getting traction like we've never gotten before. We're getting attention like we've never gotten. We have an advantage when it comes to COVID because of our you know, lack of density. Um, and uh, I, I think that great days are ahead for us. For just the business people in general, you know, I learned back in 2008, 9, and 10 when we just barely survived that really all you can do is do your very best and take it one day at a time. And, you know, I'm a, faith is a very important part of my life. And I learned back then that I didn't have near the control uh, that I thought that I did. And I just had to, you know, trust in the Lord. And I just believe when we just take things one day at a time and just give our best effort and realize that's all we can do, it kind of removes a lot of that pressure uh, that we tend to feel. And just it, it really helped me make it through the most difficult stage of my life uh, back then. And so I uh, just would certainly uh, share that with your listeners as well. Well, I appreciate that, Sean. And, you know, I think that's the thing is we have a great community of business owners, so many resources available to support one another. And uh, I really appreciate the work that you're doing and I wish you continued success. If somebody wanted to learn more about your bank or be able to reach out to you, how does somebody, how does somebody do that, Sean? But let me share a couple of websites and then I'll be happy to share my email. So, so for business resources within Oklahoma, uh, I would go to our commerce website, which is okcommerce.gov. It's really good. We recently updated it. It's very relevant. Our bank also has a ton of free resources for businesses. And so if they go to uh, regent, R-E-G-E-N-T dot bank, and just click under resources, there are all kinds of free information there, resources that we provide to businesses. That's kind of our, uh, we feel like that's our mission is to help uh, businesses in any way that we can. And then my email, I'll just give my bank one uh, because it's the easiest, uh, but they can always reach out to me at scopeland at regent.bank. And it's just S-K-O-U-P-L-E-N at regent.bank. And I'm pretty good at returning emails Phone calls, I'm usually way behind on. But if they email me, uh, I'll, I uh, typically get back to all those the same day. Very good. And and I hope, you know, if people do have questions, um, I hope they do reach out and, and know that you're accessible, even, even if it takes some time. But, Sean, we appreciate you being on the show. And 
Guys, you can get the show notes, the emails, and the website information from our website at www.epicsbiz.com. That's epicsbiz.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, just remember, we're only getting started. Appreciate you tuning in. The Over 50 Entrepreneur Podcast is sponsored by Epic Business Advisory, where we help entrepreneurs escape the owner's trap, build businesses that can succeed without you, allowing you the opportunity to realize more freedom, think bigger, and pursue next-level goals. Download our freedom formula at epicsbiz.com formula. And remember, we're only getting started.